Jenkins for the championship. Auburn's going to win the football game. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Welcome into episode 26 of Stone Cold Sports Talk. I'm Luke Stone, joined as always, now as always, I think, officially. We could, we've uh, had enough enough runs at this with this group. Uh, Jay Benzett, uh, William Smith, and Taft Gant. Boys, thank you for being here. College football playoff rankings out again. Top four remaining, I believe, entirely unchanged. Uh, number one is Alabama. Number two, is it Notre Dame still after the win? Two is Notre Dame. Notre Dame two, Clemson three, Ohio State four, A&M five, and the seven and one Florida Gators at six. Notable unbeatens left outside, of course, Bridges at BYU now and Coastal Carolina, BYU at 13, Coastal Carolina at 18. So we're getting to the point where we can basically start to run through the scenarios now. Uh, not a lot of suspense left in the season, or at least not a lot of huge games um, left on the calendar. So let's start with some resume comparisons, assuming the season goes the way we expect it to go from here on out. So a one-loss Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship. So unde- previously undefeated Notre Dame loses to Clemson. And then Texas A&M does not make the SEC championship because Alabama goes undefeated, so they're at one loss. In Ohio State, they either amend the rules or Michigan decides they'll actually play them um, and uh, is undefeated. State. An undefeated. Ohio State's got to be willing to play Michigan State this weekend, and then uh, Michigan-Ohio State may or may not happen next weekend. All right, so in this scenario, Alabama is an undefeated SEC champion we assume they're in. Ohio State, undefeated Big, Ch- Big Ten champion, one of the best teams in the country, they're in it too. Clemson, a one-loss ACC champion, we assume they're in it three. Now, in your eyes, who do you think should get the fourth spot between a one-loss Notre Dame and a one-loss Texas A&M to round out the playoff? I think Notre Dame proved this past week in their win against UNC uh, that they're legit, and I think that unless they get absolutely blown out by Clemson, in the ACC championship, I think that they're going to be in regardless. That's what it seems from the committee, putting them at two ahead of um, Ohio State and then Clemson, obviously, because they beat them. But I think Notre Dame is going to stay in unless they lose a regular season game. I'll go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and agree with Taft here. I am uh, obviously a very biased North Carolina fan due to my attendance at the school. Um, that Notre Dame defense is uh, insane. Uh, Carolina scored the first. So the, the game started. Notre Dame went three and out. Carolina went down and scored 7 nothing. Carolina. Make it 7-7 Notre Dame and then 14-7 Carolina with like four minutes to go in the first quarter and Carolina scored three points the rest of the game. Um, so that was astonishing because Carolina averages 500 yards of total offense a game and could not literally just could not do anything in the second half. So I agree with Taft. I think Notre Dame, literally, unless it's like a 59-0 Ohio State versus Wisconsin 2014 kind of game, then I don't see a way in in which A&M passes Notre Dame, especially without even a conference championship like bid or appearance. So I got Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm going to just – 
echo that. Um, A&M's just basically going to have to sit there knowing they're not going to make the SEC championship and hope for a drubbing of Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, which I don't really see happening. I think it's going to be a clash of Clemson's new uh, offense back with Trevor Lawrence and ETN uh, against that, you know, pretty stingy Notre Dame defense. So I think that it's going to be Notre Dame. I think they're going to keep it close in the ACC championship. And A&M's just, you know, not having that SEC championship is going to hurt them. As good as Notre Dame's defense was, you have to remember that DJ Wiangalele put up 40 points against them, even though there was overtime, but 34 in regulation, 33 in regulation. So they, there obviously aren't any, there aren't any very easy to see gaps on the surface, but they can have a bad game and give up 30 points. And Clemson with Trevor Lawrence could easily put up 50. I agree. I think it'll be somewhat close, but I also wouldn't be stunned. And I, I think it's a 50-50 shot of it being a really close, awesome ACC championship game or a Clemson 20-point win. Now, that being said, I still think Notre Dame gets in over Texas A&M just because you have to think about who's te- – so Texas A&M beat Florida. But other than that, who was their signature win? For all the talk of strength of schedule in the SEC, the SEC West wasn't really that impressive this year. LSU wasn't good. And then Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas all basically hovered around the same quality for the whole year. Yeah, Stone, outside of – um, Florida, Texas A&M's biggest win, if they do win out, would be Arkansas, maybe Auburn, but really no strong teams. I think that the a team like Texas A&M is really hurt by the fact that they the SEC West just wasn't as good as it usually is, and that a team usually you would get LSU being really good, Auburn higher than what are they twenty first, twenty second right now. Somewhere in there, usually Auburn's in the top 15. You can have that as a feather and a half cap as a good win. And then either Ole Miss or Mississippi State always seems to be ranked, and that, that's a, a huge letdown for A&M that that's not going to be a good win for them. Yeah, we got to remember A&M only beat Florida by three, lost to Bama 52-24. to 24. That's a blowout. Beat Arkansas by 11. Their Tennessee and Ole Miss games got postponed, so they don't even get a chance to play Ole Miss and get a ranked win. And then they beat LSU by 13 last week at home. So like, and that was a very unconvincing 13 point win. No, from- that was that was an ugly game. I watched the first half of that because, and then I just couldn't even watch the second half. It was too bad. Now, to uh, your claim that Notre Dame is in, regardless, I would say this. I think I agree, but. If Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game and it's close, it in. I would be very, very hard-pressed to put Notre Dame in with a loss in the ACC championship against undefeated Alabama. Just because I think Alabama, one, there's the name recognition thing. Two, Alabama's duds in the playoff have not been nearly as bad as Notre Dame's notable 30-3 to drubbing against Clemson. And I think that if you say definitively, that with both of them having their first losses of the season in the ACC championship game, if you say, yeah, Notre Dame and Alabama hypothetically play head-to-head, if you think Alabama wins by less than 10, I think that's a bit delusional. Bit off topic, but is this not the eighth or ninth team that has played in the ACC championship game besides Clemson, like the last nine years? We've had, no, we've had a, different, a different team has won the Coastal every we've year. We've had a different representative from the Coastal the past six years. Well, there's no yeah. division. Past, past seven, all seven ACC Coastal teams yeah. were in the yeah. ACC championship the past Start, seven years. Starting, well, starting with maybe. Duke and Anthony Boone in 2013 against <laughs> That's interesting, though. I'm glad you brought that up, William, because that means that Notre Dame would be a new team 
in the ACC championship. So it'd be eight years in a row. All right. So we all agree the paths for Notre Dame are basically contingent on Alabama can't Alabama can't lose. If Alabama loses and Notre Dame loses, then whoever beat out like if Florida beats Alabama, I think Alabama is getting that fourth spot over Notre Dame. I don't think, and I don't think it's that much. Now, what what happens if? I'm no, if Florida now if Florida somehow blows out Bama, then that's huge. Like if Florida wins that that's game, by 15, okay, okay, it wouldn't happen. It would never happen. But I'm saying if it were to happen, yeah, pump the brakes there. Okay, I do think that the next team in, um, whether it's Notre Dame losing before they lose to Clemson or Ohio State not getting five games and having the chance to play in the Big Ten championship, I think the next team in is Cincinnati over Texas A&M. Cincinnati's got a shot. I was just about to say that because that's the next. They, that's the next they would question. need they would need Notre Dame to beat Clemson, so Clemson have two losses and probably probably be out barring something weird happening. Um, they would need Bama to win to knock out um, Florida, yep. and so it'd come down to Cincinnati and A and M. And honestly, we just ran through it. A and M, besides the Florida win, has not looked very good, or not looked as like a top four team, and they already got boat raced by a top four team already this season. So they can make a point to get Cincinnati in if, if Notre Dame beats Clemson and Bama beats Florida. Now the, yeah, the, the thing is you have to wonder in that case, just because A&M right now ranked higher than Cincinnati and they won't have more than one loss. You'll, it'd be interesting to see how the committee reacts to that. Um, and that was the, that's the next question. That's the next question. Uh, Hold on, let, let me finish that one. Since Cincinnati plays 22nd ranked Tulsa next week, so they yep. do have another opportunity to get a ranked win. What's their the, What's their other ranked win on the year? They, I just looked at this yesterday. Let me see. In the meantime, I'll pose the question uh, to the rest of you. BYU have any shot with where they're sitting in the rankings now, or is that is that ship long sailed? Ship is long sailed. Yep. I don't think this game has any playoff ramifications. The Coastal Carolina BYU showdown. Um, and the funny thing would have been if in February you were like, "Hey, you want to hear something funny? Undefeated Coastal Carolina during conference championship week is going to be playing undefeated BYU in what would usually be conference championship week, and they're both going to be undefeated." And the other thing is that the winner maybe gets in the top ten, possibly. So Cincinnati has beaten twenty-second ranked Army twenty-four to ten. 16th ranked SMU 42 to 13. Uh, they beat Houston, who's not bad, 38 10. Memphis 49 10. Uh, they had a close one against UCF. It was 36 33. That was on November 21st. And then they just they, they had their Temple game canceled last week. Temple's really bad. It wouldn't have mattered. And then they're at Tulsa next weekend. Now the thing that I heard was that the SMU win really got really got devalued when SMU lost by like 30 to ECU yes, last week. That was, believe me, I heard all about it. Um, ECU had no business winning that game. Um, um, I, I told you before the game, I was like, you cannot bet on ECU games because you have yeah. literally no idea what's going to happen. And lo and behold, that happened. Now, um, I will say this. I think we have been benefited by the weird COVID season because I think this is going to be the most well-rounded playoff that we get. Assuming it ends up being like Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, that's that's very that's a very strong field. And I think with how these four teams are playing, I think it might be the four. It's first of all going to be the four best teams in the country, which is awesome. We're not going to have to have some fluky Big Twelve or Pac twelve champion to get slaughtered by Clemson or Alabama or whomever. We're not going to have a TCU snub. 
from 2014. We're finding Notre Dame has really benefited by playing a legit schedule the whole year and being in a conference championship. And they're not going to have that next year, but I think that's an interesting thing for them to consider that their second playoff birth of all, second playoff birth of all time exactly. is going to come in large part, even though they'll probably have one loss, assuming they lose to Clemson because yeah, they, they, can, they can afford to lose now. Exactly. They have that margin for error. And I'm wondering if Clemson or if Notre Dame ends up joining the ACC, a topic for a different day though. All right. Moving into professional football. NFL week, I guess that was week 12. Yeah, week 12 got wrapped up. Uh, a couple of surprising results. The Eagles still lost. The New York Giants sit atop the NFC least. Um, so it is time for buy, sell, hold, buy for the team that you would like to buy stock in because you think they're just looking up. Uh, sell team that uh, is riding high right now, but you can totally see crashing and burning. Um, and then hold, just meaning not buying, not selling, you just want to take a step back. If you're already in, if you've bet on them in futures before, keep it. Don't try to cash out. But if you've, uh, if you're not in, then don't buy in right now. I need to see more. Uh, Jay, why don't you go ahead and lead us off here? Buy, sell, hold. I am buying the Seattle Seahawks simply because their defense is finally coming to a coming into a reputable force. Uh, they get. Blitz boy, Jamal Adams, he's fully healthy now. Carlos Dunlap was a really good acquisition from Cincinnati. He's got, a, I think, a foot injury right now after last week, but he's still done a lot of good for their pass rush. Uh, they're getting Quentin Dunbar back, I believe, next week at corner. So they're just gradually getting more healthy on defense. On top of that, you've got Russ, who is not even having to cook anymore because he's got Chris Carson in the backfield, Carlos Hyde. And then when they actually do decide to throw the ball, they've got maybe the most genetically freakish person in the NFL at receiver. Uh, on top of that, they've got a guy named Tyler Lockett who had 53 fantasy points in a game earlier this year opposite him. So it's just like, it's kind of pick your poison with their offense and they're finally getting healthy on their defense. And I know I've, Pete Carroll, as much as he wants Russ to cook, he would much prefer to have Chris Carson run the ball for a hundred yards a game and have Russ throw two touchdowns instead of, scrambling together a running game and Russ having to throw four touchdowns and 350 yards. Um, so I think right. they're finally getting into the identity where they want to be at, where kind of like when they had Marshawn Lynch, it, Chris Carson's like a beast mode light 2.0, yeah. um, which I think Pete Carroll likes a lot. So I'm buying the Seattle Seahawks simply because they're finally all healthy with Carson, Jamal Adams, Carlos Dunlap, and then corners coming back. I am selling the Cleveland Browns. They're eight and three. This is bad. Baker Mayfield cannot be trusted in the month of January. Uh, I don't want to hear it. He, they have, I said they're eight and three. Their eight wins have come against teams with a combined 24, 51, and one record. They have lost their three games. They lost 16 to six to Vegas, 38 seven to Baltimore, and 38 six to, uh, or 38 seven to ba Pittsburgh, 38 six to Baltimore. They have beaten one team with a winning record. And I, that just doesn't fly with me. Play competitive football in January. They're going to get smoked. Um, so just give me a break. Baker isn't going to do anything in January, especially without Odell Beckham. So I'm selling the Browns as soon as possible. And then I'm going to hold on the Indianapolis Colts because they are the model of inconsistency. Um, they go from beating Green Bay and – MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers at home to losing to simply Derrick Henry. They did not lose to the Titans. They lost to Derrick Henry last weekend at home. Uh, and we just need to see Phil Rivers play well against a 
really good defense. He struggled against Pittsburgh, which everybody does really. And then he struggled against Vegas or struggled against Cleveland, Baltimore, and Chicago. They played, they get Pittsburgh and Vegas who are two good defenses upcoming. Everybody struggles against Pittsburgh, except Bud Dupree might have a torn ACL after yesterday. So, and then what's it going to take for Frank Reich to realize that Jonathan Taylor is the team's best running back. They've had a committee this year, which doesn't make much sense to me. Jonathan Taylor is like their needs to be their main guy. I think they'll realize that soon and their defense looked all worldly the first couple weeks and they've looked a little suspect. So I'm trying to see what Indianapolis does, especially in that Pittsburgh game, see what they're going to be like come January. Give me a hold on Indianapolis. To your point about the Seahawks and and the Chris Carson injury being a huge factor for their, some of their struggles in recent weeks. And then a huge factor in them kind of putting it all together again against Philadelphia on Monday night, Carson got hurt around halftime of that first Arizona game. And in the first half, the Seahawks were cruising. They looked good. Their offense was consistent. They were kind of letting Russ cook, but at least he had some support back there. And I think, I mean, that game is basically a microcosm of the of the season in that when they have Chris Carson, everything's going well. They can move the ball efficiently. It doesn't get too one-dimensional. You don't need Russ to be scrambling around. And then in the second half and then in overtime, they struggle mightily because Russell Wilson had to do it all. And, and having him back and then having Carlos Hyde step up the way he has has been huge for them. William, your buy, sell, hold. All right. I'm going to go with the team I was not sold on for the past two weeks. Uh, but after watching them play, I really like what they're doing right now, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Um, this, you know, goes most in part because last year's playoff run was pretty unprecedented for the Titans, but also you saw that they are a team that, you know, played a smash-mouth style of football, and it carried them through against, you know, big wins against um, the Patriots and the Ravens, so I, I like their chances in January. Um, I think Corey Davis and A.J. Brown should get more touches or more targets now that the attention is all on Derrick Henry. And they only have two tough games at, um, on the schedule, and that's against the Packers and the Browns. So I think the Browns, I think, are easily beatable here. Um, my cell team, I've not been big on this team ever since I said they would go undefeated because I felt pressure from Trevor Daniel. Um, I don't, I'm not sold on the schedule, the strength of schedule. I've looked through it and there aren't really any signature wins on there. I think they beat the Titans um, and that's about it. Uh, they recently struggled against Trace McSorley and RG3 this past week after Stefan Tuitt said it would be an easy win. Um, they have a pretty I'm tough schedule. <laughs> uh, they play the Bills, they play the football team. Browns and Colts to end the season, which is not ideal. I think they're going to drop two of those games. Um, and, you know, having James Conner out, I think he'll be back soon. But their run game has been pretty uh, non-existent this season. Might end up hurting them, even though their wide, wide receiver core is pretty good. My whole team, let's see what Mr. Stone thinks here. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins. Um, just a lot of question marks here. I mean, they have a pretty good – Resume here at seven and four. I think Flores is the clear cut coach of the year. Uh, definitely a bounce back team. They do play the Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, and Bills to end the season. So those are three games, I think, in which they will probably lose. Um, I mean, I think they could beat the Raiders in the past, but Chiefs and Bills are going to be tough there. Uh, and then the QB situation, not sure when two is going to be back. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick lead them through the playoffs? I, I seriously doubt it. And are there any weapons? besides Devontae Parker and Gesicki. So those are my question marks. Um, a lot of moving parts for the Miami Dolphins, but they still impress me at seven and four. Taft, your buy, sell, hold. 
My bot is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they just have so much talent offensively, and they're only seven and five that I can definitely see them continuing to grow. They haven't won the primetime games, which has been kind of confusing because you think Tom Brady would show out um, in primetime with all the targets that he has. But I think that they have so many weapons, and if they can find their way in the playoffs, then you have to go with TB12, Gronk, and all the amazing weapons that they have to win one, maybe two, maybe three games in the playoffs. And I think they have the most upside. My sell is the Arizona Cardinals, and that's mainly because of what they did last week against New England. Lost 17 to 20. I think it proves that Kyler Murray is not a playoff quarterback yet, and you cannot trust him um, if they do end up making it. And then they still have to face the Rams twice, and I think that the LA Rams are on the up and up, and I don't know if uh, the Cardinals can beat them. So Cardinals are my sell team. And then my hold are the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they're undefeated, but I think they can only go down from here just because they don't – they haven't proven themselves in the playoffs. Um, Big Ben's old, and he has concerns. So I'm a little – hesitant on saying that they're as good as their record shows. So I'm going with a much more unconventional buy here. I am buying the San Francisco 49ers, even though they're going to be whatever other city in California they end up playing in because they don't have a home stadium for the next three weeks because Santa Clara County is not a fan of COVID. Um, So the reason I'm buying the 49ers is because they somehow managed to keep most of their games close despite having, I don't know, like four guys on IR a week. They have some weird wins. Their schedule, all right, Buffalo probably lost, but have a chance for two wins against Washington and Dallas. Um, and then with the way the Cardinals are playing, who knows, that might, might be a win. And with how bad the NFC looks and how inconsistent that seven seed looks, eight and eight might be enough to win this. And if they can just steal one or two other games – I'm counting their games against Washington and Dallas as, as what should be victories for them. Hey, hey, can, hey, don't discount the Dallas Cowboys. Don't do that. That's and if they can that. somehow beat Buffalo on Monday night in a game that will be in some crazy, strange venue on the West Coast, or if they can beat uh, Arizona, they're right in the thick of that playoff race just because who knows if it's going to be 8-8, eight and eight, who knows if it's going to be 9-7, and seven, who knows if it's going to be 10-6 and six that takes that seven seed. Um, but despite their injury issues, um, they've been – I mean, they've been relatively consistent. They beat the Rams on on Sunday, which was uh, impressive and unexpected to say the least. And Kyle Shanahan, for all of the flack he gets for how he does in the Super Bowl, um, is still a very good head coach who's a good game who's a good game planner and can really get them um, in in positions to be close in and then eventually win football games. Now, I'm selling the Buffalo Bills. Ten point win against the Chargers was deceptive. It was basically a three point win. Uh, if the Chargers go down, take care of business, and score a touchdown on the last drive. Um, Josh Allen was held to sub-200 yards in that game against the Chargers, and against the teams that they would end up playing in the playoffs, he's been troublingly bad. Uh, against the Tennessee Titans, he was 26 for 41, but with only 263 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Um, and then against the Chiefs, he was 14 for 27 with 122 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. His first five games, his passer rating was above 100, and since he only has one game with a passer rating above 100 and is averaging one interception a game, um, and that turnover problem, it's not as bad as it has been in seasons past, but it's still very much a factor. Not to mention, Buffalo postseason, you just have to kind of uh, say tie goes to losing because that's kind of the way that organization has been 
in all their trips recently. Now, holding on the Green Bay Packers because who knows what they are. Are they the team that blew out the Bears or are they the team that lost to the Vikings uh, several weeks ago? Aaron Rodgers is consistently good, but everything else is not. Defense we see get gashed sometimes. Um, other times we see it uh, stand strong, but you're never really sure what you're getting on a week-to-week basis with them. Huge tests for them upcoming. They should beat the Eagles. They should beat the Lions, should beat the Panthers. I, I think we will know much more about the Green Bay Packers, though, once they play Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. If they win that home game, I think that's a very reassuring vote of confidence for them in week uh, 16 before they head to what we can only assume will be another drubbing of the Chicago Bears in the first weekend of January. Um, but Packers wildly inconsistent against the good teams in the league. I mean, they they beat the Saints by seven, but then lost to the Bucks by 28, um, and then lost to the Vikings two weeks later, and then only beat Jacksonville by four, and then lost to Indianapolis. So and lots of lots of ups and downs with this team. Uh, not not entirely sure what's going to end up uh, what's going to end up happening with them. All right, time for bets of the week. William, why don't you start us off here? I'm sorry, Pitt is not on the docket this week, so I guess you can't. Uh, not going to be able to choose them to cover the spread or something. All right, all right. Let's see what we're going with here. Um, a disclaimer: I'm not going with Pitt this week. Simply lost faith um, in the Panthers, and they have not delivered for me. So I'm now turning my attention to the Big Twelve. Uh, the spread going Iowa State. Uh, they are six and a half favorites over West Virginia. The uh, I think that Iowa State is ranked pretty high right now, actually, and um, just beat a an average Texas team. But you know, a win against Texas still means something. Uh, Brees Hall, if you don't know, is one of the best uh, running backs in all of college football. He's probably having a better season than Najee Harris, honestly, in my eyes. Uh, Najee has more touchdowns, but I think Brees has been more consistent going for 100-plus yards in every game he's played, I think, except one. And then Brock Purdy, the guy we all thought would have um, somewhat of a shot at the Heisman or at least having a good season this year, starting to get his groove back. He struggled early. They've been relying on the run more, but I think Iowa State takes a big win here over West Virginia at home. Um, And then my money line, I'm staying in the Big 12 here. I'm going with TCU, the Horned Frogs, over Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State has really lost their uh, their momentum, I think, down the stretch here. Spencer Sanders has been has been hurt a lot, and they're without L.D. Brown and Chuba Hubbard, so that leaves Desmond Jackson in the backfield. Game is at TCU, and then TCU has a pretty good resume, honestly. Beat Texas and barely lost to uh, ranked Iowa State, so I like TCU here at plus 115. And then over-under, got to go with my boy Jarrett Patterson here. Buffalo versus Ohio over 58 and a half. I mean, if you run for 400 yards and eight touchdowns, you know, that's what accounting for 48 points alone. So how I many like fantasy there. points is that we need to, we need to calculate how many fantasy points Jared Patterson would have had last I week. I think, I think it was, uh, I think it was 90, 90. Yeah. I, let's see 400. Yeah. 40 points strictly based on yards. Uh, that's 88. With touchdowns in DraftKings, you get a plus three, so it'd be ninety-one for a hundred-yard bonus, but eighty-eight in normal fantasy. Holy smokes! I think you can read. I think you can go for four touchdowns this week too. 
And they he's got 100 carries for 900 yards this season. They took him out with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, too. I know. Crazy. 100 carries for 900 yards and 16 touchdowns. That's nine yards to pop. That's insane. Yes, that is absurd. Taft, are you set? Yes. I My bets of the week, I have Clemson minus 22 and a half at Vatek. I took Clemson last week minus 24 over a five and four pit in Trevor Lawrence's first game back, and they won by 35 easily. They covered easily. And now they're playing a four and five Hokies that have lost their last three. And that includes a 47 14 loss to that same pit team that Clemson just blew out. So I have Tigers minus 22 and a half. My money line pick is Rutgers. They're 11 point dogs playing Penn State. Penn State's one and five, Rutgers two and four, two terrible, terrible teams in the Big Ten. But I think you got to give Rutgers some more respect, especially considering they had a good win uh, last week. And from over under, I have Arkansas at Mizzou, 51 and a half. Um, Felipe, that's all are, I need are you taking over here? Yes, I'm taking over. All right, Julius, you're up. All right. So preseason in the preseason, you schedule a lot of games that you want to watch during the course of the year. Ohio State, Michigan comes to mind, Alabama, Auburn, all the rivalry games. But a non-rivalry week game that you normally always schedule is LSU, Alabama. And this year, it's not even worth watching. Bama is only a 29 and a half point favorite against LSU, who just lost their best player in Terrace Marshall. He opted out for the NBA or for the NFL draft. So give me Bama by a, a million, okay, against LSU. Even I don't care where it is. If it's in Baton Rouge, it's in Baton Rouge. I don't really care where it is. Give me Bama by more than 29 and a half. This may be like 50 to four, like seven. This is going to get ugly. So give me Bama 29, minus 29 and a half. Money line. I think this is the first Pac-12 bet all year. Oregon State plus 320 over Utah. Simply because Jake Bentley is Utah's starting quarterback. And Stone, you are well aware with your SEC background. Jake Bentley is horrible. He is bad, not worth watching anything. And Oregon State is coming off their win against their biggest rival, the Oregon Ducks, last week. I think they'll continue their momentum and win outright over Jake Bentley in the 0-2 Utah Utes. So give me Oregon State plus 320. And then over under, BC UVA is set at 54.5. Give me the under. I got a weird feeling this one's going to be like 24-17 because both teams – I mean, BC plays good enough defense and UVA struggles on offense a little bit. So give me – I just got a weird feeling about that one. Give, I'm taking BC UVA under 54.5. That one point. All right, my spread pick of the week, Florida. I, I had to read this three times to make sure it's correct. And I'm actually going to go check it again because it doesn't seem like it actually could be. Florida is minus 17 and a half against Tennessee. Now, in case you're wondering, wait a minute. I thought that Tennessee was terrible this year. Yes, yes, they are. They've lost five games in a row. They are also one, five, and one against the spread. I'll say it again. One, five, and one against the spread. Spreads should hit. Like Vegas should have the spreads correct. About not, it shouldn't be like 16% of the time or lower. 
Um, Florida, meanwhile, four, three and one against the spread covered in the last two meetings against Tennessee. Um, Florida's won five games in a row. Hasn't scored fewer than 34 points all season during Tennessee's five game losing streak. They haven't scored more than 21. Florida's going to hang 40 on them. The defense isn't great, but they're not going to give up more than 17 to Tennessee, uh, Florida hammer, hammer, hammer minus 17 and a half. So so what are the, what are the odds that Tennessee throws a pick six? It's Corentano. It's like a thousand percent. Like it's going to happen. And even if it doesn't happen, they'll cover 17 and a half. Moneyline pick, Arkansas plus 135 over Missouri. Felipe, why not? Same justification as Taft taking the over in that game. Arkansas just feels like with the way they've played this season, that's a game Sam Pittman wins. And then over under, Vanderbilt and Georgia is set at 54 right now, taking the under here. Vandy's terrible. They're probably not going to score a touchdown. They're not going to score any points. Yeah, unfortunately, Sarah Fuller won't go another week without getting to kick an extra point because the Vandy offense is just so putrid. Um, And then Georgia... Their offense is a lot better. I just I think they'll probably let their foot off the gas in the third quarter just because it's, you know, it's like we said earlier in the year. The way you treat Vanderbilt is you go to Nashville if you have to. You curb stomp them for four quarters. You shake hands with Derek Mason, who's gone. So you shake hands with whoever, whoever they are. So thank you very much. I'm sorry you're in the SEC. You really should consider joining the ACC. We kind of want to play Clemson more often um, and, then, uh, and then get the heck out of Dodge. Will 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 the mailman throw two touchdown pass or score throw one touchdown pass in the fourth quarter? Maybe once he comes back in. Will will, I'm, will, will uh, Stetson Bennett be responsible for a an offensive touchdown? That'd be a great prop. I, that is a great prop bet, and I'll take yes. Just because I think Kirby respects him a lot, and he'll put him in once we're winning by at least thirty five, which is yeah. the line in the second quarter. I don't get how they get the over-under at 54 because I don't know why anyone thinks Auburn has a chance. I mean, if the line's 35. You mean Vandy? Yeah, I think Vandy's going to score like 17 more. It's crazy. All right. And they scored zero last week. I think the score very well could be 35 and a half to zero if half points are possible. Yeah. That's what Vegas should predict. There's going to be be some fumbles off those squib kicks. Don't you worry. There are going to be some fumbles. (laughs) (laughs) There's only going to be one kick. I think that Vegas should have the over. This game should be Georgia minus 35, and the over-under should be 35. That's what it should be. I want to get some Sarah Fuller-themed props on how many times she ends up kicking off because of how terrible – again, only because of how terrible Vanderbilt's offense is. Only because of that. Um, now, the blast from the past sports thing of the week this week comes from the NFL. Gentlemen, the, do you the recall – Mr. Hospital Pass. <laughs> do you recall – Austin Collie. Old slot receiver? Yes. For, the, for Peyton Manning, Mr. Hospital. Julian Edelman pass. before Julian Edelman. If, if, there, if there was a pass where somebody would get hurt, he was 90%. He had a 90% chance of being the one on the other end catching it. Also, fun fact. Guess where Austin Collie was born? Palm Beach, Beach Florida. Florida. Hamilton, Canada. All right, here's the all-time stat line. 179 catches for 1908 yards, 10.7 yards a catch, and 16 touchdowns. 285 fantasy points in his career. 2009 with the Indianapolis Colts, he had 89 targets, got 60 catches, 676 yards, and then every season since his number of catches and targets decreased. Um, Ended up going to the Patriots, basically – what is what is greater, his yards per catch or number of concussions sustained in his career? Uh, like thirteen, probably. Unfortunately, Football Reference does not have like amount of time on the injury report. 
We can assure you, though, he was concussed multiple times, like a lot. He was probably he was knocked unconscious. He was more frequently concussed than Jordan Reed. And not and I don't think it was that particularly close. Like Jordan Reed's like a walking concussion and like Austin Collin was Austin Collin was that plus 10. Um, His second year with the Colts, he got 58 catches, 649 yards. Then as the injuries kept coming in and in and in 54 catches, 514. One catch for six yards because he only played one. He only appeared in one game. Wow. And then with the uh, Patriots, seven games played, one game started, uh, six catches, 63 yards, 16 total touchdowns, a total flash in the pan. And that is the Blast from the Past Sports Thing of the Week presented by the Poolland Weed Eater Independence Bowl. All right. Lots of fan submissions for facts or fake news. It, do we even need to dignify that Bo Watts, Tony Romo, is the best quarterback? No. He, Bo, 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 Watts, Bo Watts asked it as a question. He was like, is Tony Romo the greatest ever? So I changed it to a statement saying that Tony Romo is No, the he's not. Troy Aikman. Anyone disagree with that verdict? Roger Staubach? Staubach. Okay. It's not Tony Romo, though. It's not Tony Romo. By the end of the day, it'll be Dak, too. So let's be honest. Romo's fourth. Will, right. Third now will be fourth. Yeah, I, I agree. With that. Jay, who's our next one? Landon Ellis says the Steelers will finish sixteen and zero. Facts. I'm gonna say fake news. I think they're gonna lose to Buffalo. I'm saying facts because 15. recency bias. They're still undefeated, so they'll probably grind it out. Fake news. They'll either lose to the Bills or the Colts. Honestly, the Browns, even though they got destroyed by the Steelers, could pull something, pull something out. I mean, they're eight and three. I think their record doesn't really show, but um, I think they're going to drop one of those games. Fake news. I agree with the field. Who was the last team to go eleven or no and then not finish undefeated though? Like, what's the number you? Twenty fifteen. All right. They finished the Panthers. Yeah, they lost in week 16. Oof, that's brutal. And then lost the Super Bowl to slant boy Peyton Manning, basically. (laughs) Basically 20. Did you you know the Panthers outgained the Broncos 2 1 in that Super Bowl? I'm sure they did. It was was like 310 to 149 yards of total offense. All right. Factor fake news number three comes from Charlie Thompson. The Saints will lose once again in their first playoff game, and the fan base will claim it's rigged. I can't say facts to all of that. Now my question is, what, what, how would the bracket if they lose If they lose their first playoff game, they're going to claim it's rigged. You and I have both lived with Hugh Monster before. We know what we, – We've we seen this what, movie. We've seen this movie before. We have seen this movie two years in a row. All right. No, three years in a row. Minnesota Miracle, uh, Rams, no call, and then last year to the Vikings. So assuming the Saints get the bye – in week two, they are in the in the divisional round. They end up playing. We assume the Cardinals make it, and they beat the Giants. Do we think the NFC East team has a chance? No. Okay. So, number one seed would play the lowest seed Arizona Cardinal. I could see the Cardinals being back by that point, and I could see that happening. I'm not. I'm going to say fake news. I think they'll make the NFC Championship game and then probably lose to. Right now, I would say Seattle is the most likely team they would end up losing to. But, uh, I mean, Charlie makes a good point here. I think do, it's very possible. Do they, they do start Drew Brees when he comes back? Yes. 
Hopefully they're going to get the uh, screen pra- screen passes back for Kamara. Exactly. I got screen pass boy and slant boy. Yeah, screen boy, slant boy, blitz boy. In the spirit of the state of Louisiana, they're going to run a two-quarterback system, but instead of it being Justin Jefferson and whoever else it was, it's going to be Taysom Jordan Hill. Jordan and- Jefferson and Jarrett Lee? Yeah, that. Throwback to the old days of LSU football. Jay, fact or fake news that they do that? Fact? Taysom Hill will be more involved than he was before the injury. I will say that. I don't know if it's going to be 50-50, but it'll be – if it was like 20-80-20 before, it'll be like 70-30. Half to the Saints lose their first playoff game? No. Fake news. I – if they play Arizona, I'm taking Arizona in that game. Uh, fake news. I mean, I think the Giants will give them a good game, but <laughs> fake news. <laughs> all right, facts are fake news. The Steelers are overrated. I guess we can. I mean, we can all say facts for this from Tate Whitmer's question, right? Does anyone not think they're overrated? I, I don't think they're rated like an undefeated team. Everybody thinks they're not as good as an eleven and zero team is supposed to be. So I don't think they're being rated like an undefeated team. Yeah, I think you can segment that off. So, I would I mean, say fact they are worse than their record shows. Yes. I don't think they're overrated just because nobody is rating them like an undefeated 11 OZ. Anyone seen any power ranking where they're over the Chiefs? I haven't no, seen one. Stephen A. Smith had his Stevens A list last week. He had the Steelers over the Chiefs. But that's also because he's a Steelers fan. That would explain it. That would explain um, it. All right. This next one comes from Graham Tuck. Drew Locke has a higher ceiling than Tua Tungavailoa. Fake news. Totally fake news. How? Uh, someone else do this before I yell into the microphone and explain why it's fake news. There was this this question. This was a question actually. It had three. It was asking which one had the highest ceiling. So I turned it into a statement. Drew Locke, Tua, or Trey Lance coming out of North Dakota State in the draft this year. Lance. It's Lance. It's it's up. It's it's a good question. Lance is good. I don't think he's too good. The question no. of ceiling is not because I mean, Tua's ceiling is not how he's playing right now. Tua's ceiling is like what Justin Herbert's doing, basically different styles of game, but like that level of jaw dropping. Oh my gosh, this guy can really play quarterback. Uh, yeah, fake news. Drew Locke does not have nearly as high a ceiling as Tua. Primarily. Although he does have a higher ceiling for COVID antibodies because of that whole thing. Um, yeah, Drew Locke, no, absolutely not. They're going to move on from him in a year. I'm going to go with, uh, what was the, basically the whatever Tua has a higher ceiling. I mean, I think that Drew Locke will be gone. Kendall Hinton will pick up the playbook and the Broncos will be good to go. Um, I mean, I, I just think that we expected way too much out of Drew Locke this season. He's not back to his rapping on the sidelines, Drew Locke, and you know, extremely inconsistent out there. So I think that Tua with time will be a much better quarterback. The next, uh, the next statement is uh, Brian Coleman. NC State basketball can make the Elite Eight. I'm not even going to address this one because it's way too early in the college basketball season. I have no idea how NC State is. What do you is. mean? This this is the this is delusional. You don't even have to pass on this one. This is just like this is just not happening under any circumstances. Have they even played yet? I have no idea what NC State. I don't. I mean, NC State I don't, flew off the radar I, as soon as uh, 
Rodney Purvis left, whatever year that was, like 2013. Yeah, okay. Rodney Purvis. I think, they, I think they played. Wait, Purvis, like the guy who went to uh, he went up to UConn after? Like, did he transfer? Yes. Oh, that yes. Rodney Purvis. No, he was pretty good. State, okay, State was actually State not bad. Was what year was it? And they had the lead. What was his name? John Leslie. They had TJ Warren and Cat uh, Barber. Yes. Yeah, the ACC put here. NC State basketball has not been terrible the past five years. I don't know if they're in the lead eight team this year. They, they have a lot of depth. Coach Keats said that they have eight potential starters. So I think they're going to do better than they've done the past few years. Keats is on the hot seat, so we need some wins, but I don't see them making it past the Sweet 16. They're still not even like a top six team in the ACC, they, though. They got to make the tournament first where we start talking about winning a tournament game. That yeah, they've been pretty game. consistent in making that tournament though they just haven't gotten beyond the round of 32 this past year would have been the second straight year that they would have been one of the first four out yeah i'm not saying that team makes the elite eight sorry brian that's that's delusional i will say brian is a a diehard nc state fan all right two more nc unc football should not be ranked after embarrassing losses to virginia and florida state Yes, facts. Uh, the AP doesn't have them ranked. I think there's a reason for that. Uh, the playoff committee, as we know, is always kind of afraid to throw new teams in the top 25, but Carolina lost to Virginia, lost to Florida State, and then lost to Notre Dame. I don't know what I don't know how we're rationalizing this in the top 25 for the playoff committee. I don't even know how we're rationalizing it in the top 20, especially. Maybe you can make the argument 20 through 25, but they should not be ranked ahead. They shouldn't be ranked ahead of coastal. Uh, and then there are undefeated teams in the Pac-12 that, from rankings perspective, I, I don't know. Carolina, I don't know how you can fall that far and have so many embarrassing losses and still be ranked ahead of teams that are undefeated. He is making a weird face, even though they have three losses. Take Come on, you can't be saying they should be ranked over Coastal. So, 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 Stone, by that statement, you think Coastal Carolina would beat North Carolina if they played each other? Absolutely. That's not the point. <laughs> I'm just going to take the bait. I don't know. I, I just don't. I, 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 mm, 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 I, I'm just saying Carolina lost to Notre Dame by 14 and moved up two slots in the top 25. What? Yeah. If you, the, game if, you watch, if you watch the game, Stone, okay, Notre Dame scored a meaningless touchdown with like a minute and a half left. It, it, that was a seven-point game the entire I think there's a reason the AP and coaches poll both don't have Carolina in the top 25, and I think they're right. All right, final facts or fake news. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Patrick Mahomes is what Matthew Stafford would have been in a, situa- uh, in a similar situation. Oh, Jack Disbrow uh, submitted the last one, and this one is from Will Andrade. Did I mispronounce the name? Tell me if I mispronounced the name. No, uh, he's okay. a Carolina guy who I've actually never met before. Um it's a very interesting question. So is he saying that if Mahomes, so he, Stafford he, got drafted, Stafford was in the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, okay. so he's saying if you replace Stafford and Mahomes, Stafford would be what Mahomes is right now, or similar. And I'm actually, are we saying Matt Stafford right now, or Matt Stafford when he got drafted and going through his prime? Going through his prime. I think fake news. I say fake news too. See, I don't even know what it is. It's just Stafford. It's it, the lack see, of mobility and 
because they're not the same. The side of the sidearm throws, yeah. but that's about it. See, and then when, when I think about it, Mahomes has the best head coach in football, the best offensive coordinator in football, the best receiver in football, the best tight end in football. To me, so I'm thinking you could replace a lot of people. Like replace Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes last week, and the Chiefs with Brady instead of Mahomes are just waxing Tampa Bay. I think. Yeah, um, probably. By the way, can we just so, add note that was the closest. That was the closest blowout I've ever seen. Ever. That was. Really, it was that a three-point really game. Yeah. The the if you were to tell me in the second quarter the Bucks are going to cover the spread straight up, I had him teased down to nine and a half. But if you're going to say they're going to cover the straight up and lose by three. When they're losing 17 nothing, I'd be like, you're insane. The Chiefs are going to put up 45. Yeah. Very weird game. Very so weird game. I am. I think we all give Patrick Mahomes way too much credit and don't acknowledge the supporting cast he has around him. I think it's possible for someone to both have a really good supporting cast, though, and be an all-time quarterback talent. And I don't think that Matthew Stafford is an all-time quarterback talent. I don't want to be the I don't want to be the the another guy who fawns over Patrick Mahomes, but there are just some things he can do: the mobility, the angles, and the like, just the the bombs that he can throw accurately. Matthew Stafford's kind of take out the mobility part of that. It's the same way. Like you remember, but last I think the mobility like, thing's huge because so much of Mahomes. Yeah, is he's always flushed out of the pocket. Yeah, and he's like flushed out of the pocket, throwing like cross his body or flipping it underhand or. Throwing at sidearm. Stafford's usually in the pocket, like evading people and maybe throwing a little sidearm pass. I think pass, they're definitely – I think that they were coming coming out. Stafford was definitely better than Mahomes, and I think they're very comparable quarterbacks. But I think that there are a couple of key differences that mean that I think that Stafford and the Chiefs offense isn't quite as successful because so much of their big plays come from the Mahomes scramble and then Travis Kelsey on his fourth time cutting across midfield uh, getting open. I'm going to say it's facts. I, did, I just have a belief that if you give Matthew Staff, like remember when he had Calvin Johnson, he was like, he was a really good quarterback. So yeah. give him something like that. But obviously Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs cast right now is better than just a singular Calvin Johnson. And to but, end with a note on Megatron, note to all future defensive coordinators for teams that are playing the Seattle Seahawks. Do not, do not go up to DK Metcalf pregame and say, I was with Megatron in Detroit. You're no Meg- You're no Calvin Johnson. Which, first of all, I love that he said there was a coach. I, I love that Metcalf in the post-game presser tried to get so quick. Cool. Like, there was a coach on the Eagles who told me that he used to be in Detroit and that he worked with Calvin Johnson and that I wasn't Calvin Johnson. And that really that really um, uh, took a fire under me for the game. And then the reporter goes, was that Jim Schwartz? He just goes, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, all-time moment in that press conference. Then another all-time moment. Uh, from that game was, of course, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles backdoor cover going for two to cover the six and a half point spread despite you, getting blown you, out from most of it. Lost five hundred thousand dollars on that. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, Richard Rodgers, by the way, best hail mary catcher of all time between the Roger, the one from Aaron Rodgers in Detroit that one time, and then uh, the one that he caught at the one yard line from uh, from Carson Wentz. That is all for episode twenty six of Stone Cold Sports Talk. Thank you all for tuning in. A uh, couple of big games this weekend. Steelers have a chance to stay undefeated. Uh, Trevor Daniel, if you're listening, I'm sure that you're hoping and praying they do. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.